Welcome to Trade Finance Talks, a podcast from Trade Finance Global. During this series, we'll be hearing from global experts, as well as learning about the latest trends, technology and insights in the world of international trade and receivables finance. Episode 84. As mentioned, the rules focus entirely on a digital environment, so they allow the involved participants to submit and share information digitally, which is the future. My name is Devesh Patel, editor at Trade Finance Global. The last two years have forced a rethink in the trade and trade finance arena and brought digitalization into focus. As was highlighted at the G7 conference in 2021, digital technology is at the heart of building back better from the pandemic, playing a vital role in improving internet safety and transforming the economy. The trade system remains incredibly antiquated, with an estimated 4 billion paper documents circulating in the trade system, as estimated by the International Chamber of Commerce. And a single trade finance transaction requires more than 100 pages of documents. On the 1st of October 2021, the ICC launched the Uniform Rules for Digital Trade Transactions, or UR. DTT, with a brief to develop a high-level framework outlining obligations, rules, and standards for the digitalization of trade transactions. Today, we're joined by David Maynell, founder at TradeLC Advisory and Digital Rules Advisor to the ICC Center for Digital Trade and Innovation, to discuss what these rules actually mean. David, welcome to Trade Finance Talks. Hi, Deepesh. Glad to be here. Thank you very much for coming on. So brief introduction in no more than 30 seconds or so. Who are you? Where are you from? And what do you do? Hi, Dave Mayer. In my previous career, I worked for Deutsche Bank in several global locations. Nowadays, I'm an independent consultant uh, slash trainer and hold a few freelance roles within the ICC, including, as you mentioned, Digital Rules Advisor for the Centre for Digital Trade and Innovation. So let's get straight into it. What are the URDTT rules? We can go back to two years ago, 2019, or three years ago, 2019, when the ICC Banking Commission Executive Committee provided the uh, ICC Working Group that was around in those days on e-digitalization in trade finance with a mandate to proceed with the drafting of a new set of rules that were essentially agnostic in nature in respect of the underlying technology and should effectively address the gaps in digital trade, but especially focusing on the use of data in digital trade transactions. And as you mentioned, these came into effect last year on the 1st of October with version 1.0. And looking at version 1.0, the core of the rules seem to be a digital trade transaction. Can you expand further on this? And digital trade instruments range from bills of exchange to promissory notes to bills of lading to even warehouse receipts. The thing to remember is that each of these have three commonalities, which are irrevocability, unconditionality, and autonomous to the underlying contracts. All of these instruments fit perfectly within the framework of the URDTT, which, as I mentioned, are technology agnostic and also platform agnostic, and they ensure a collective understanding and definitions. This, by default, leads to compatibility with existing platform rules books and avoids repetition. As for a digital trade transaction itself, it's a process agreed between a buyer and a seller in which electronic records are used to evidence the underlying sale and purchase of goods or services and the incurring of a payment obligation. In order to be subject to the rules, 
a digital trade transaction must specifically state so. It should satisfactorily reflect the underlying commercial contracts. And as a matter of course, in order to allow for the necessary examination process, it of course must specify the terms and conditions by which compliance of an electronic record will be determined. You mentioned irrevocability, unconditionality, and being autonomous to the underlying contracts. So what are the main benefits of the rules? As mentioned, the rules focus entirely on a digital environment, so they allow the involved participants to submit and share information digitally, which is the future. As with all the ICC rules, I've mentioned this already, they are independent, they're neutral. More importantly, they provide a collective understanding of the terms and definitions. So that means they augment the avoidance repetition within these platform rule books, which are already on the market, whilst promoting and supporting the usage of electronic records. But for me, I think the most significant uh, issue is that the rules align with the framework for G7 collaboration on electronic transferable records. This framework promotes the adoption of legal frameworks compatible with the UNSA travel model law on electronic transferable records, or MELITA as it's become to be known in shorthand. The changes in that will derive from MELITA will allow for possession of digital negotiable instruments. And possession has been a stumbling block in the past. The ICC rules are ready. We've covered quite a lot on the adoption of MELITA and, and it looks like there'll be some really good changes from the English Law Commission in the coming months. Going back to the rules, how does does a bank fit with these rules? Rules outline the three prime roles of a financial services provider. Not a bank, they call it a financial services provider, which is wider than just the existing definition of a bank. So these three roles provide financing or risk mitigation services, effect payments, if requested and agreeable to doing so, adding a payment undertaking to a buyer's payment obligation. Important to note that the technology for a data processing system to do this is covered in more detail within the URDTT implementation guide. But basically, Internal data processing systems need to be able to do a number of things such as handling formats for electronic records, authenticating messages, and executing electronic signatures. As a minimum, any kind of data processing system looking at processing digital electronic records must be able to process the relevant data and maintain adequate standards moving forward. This is important for various trade documents, bills of lading, warehouse receipts, bills of exchange, etc. Going back to our earlier point, we're aware of the recent UK Law Commission report which should lead to an electronic trade document bill. So does the URDTT align with this bill? Essence, yes, but to give some background on this, in September 2020, the Department for Digital, Culture, Media and Sport asked the UK Law Commission to make recommendations to solve the problems that were being caused by existing laws approach to possession and transfer of electronic documents. The CMS also asked the Law Commission to prepare draft legislation to implement these recommendations. The legal rules governing paper trade documents, and this includes bills of lading, bills of exchange, warehouse receipts, etc., are premised on the idea that they can be physically held or possessed. The current law in England and Wales doesn't actually recognise the possibility of possessing electronic documents because possession is associated only with tangible assets. So industries that are using these documents are therefore prevented by law from moving towards a fully paperless process. And as you mentioned earlier, very importantly, the international trade industry is estimated it generates 4 billion paper documents per year. And uh, I don't think that's changed much in quite a long time. Because of this, the Law Commission has produced recommendations for law reform, which will allow for certain documents in electronic form to be recognised in law as possessable. So that means they could then have the same legal recognition and functionality as their paper counterparts. We expect the Electronic Trade Documents Bill, all going well, will emerge later this year, will be released, and the URDTT are compatible with all 
the proposed legislative changes regarding the use of possessable electronic trade documents, as has been set out in the recommendations of the Law Commission. I think that possessibility is key and its association with tangible assets and looking to see that change and that recognition for a document in electronic form. The Law Commission recommendations highlight that to qualify as an electronic trade document, a document in electronic form must contain the same information as would be required to be contained in the paper equivalent. So how does the URDTT cater for this? As mentioned earlier, a digital trade transaction is a representation of the underlying transaction. So it's the process by which the terms of the commercial contracts between the seller and the buyer are recorded and progressed. So in view of the neutrality that I've mentioned that the URDTT has, the rules can be very easily assimilated into the underlying commercial contract between the buyer and seller. And this would avoid the requirement for paper processing as long as both parties agree to use a digital trade transaction subject to the rules, whereby electronic records are used to evidence the underlying sale and purchase of goods and the incurring of the subsequent payment obligation. The process of electronic documents, or we talk about electronic records in rules, but I think the best way to say it is electronic documents, because that's what we recognise. And electronic documents will be submitted. They will either evidence the underlying sale and purchase of the goods or services, or evidence the actual delivery or receipt of those goods and services. In respect of the URDTT itself, the underlying contract between a buyer and seller requires agreement by both parties on the electronic documents to be submitted, by whom they are to be issued, the data content, and the time frame in which they are to be submitted. The practice practitioners, what preparations should they implement to use URDT effectively? The answer kind of revolves around a few areas. Should be operations, technology, legal, and risk mitigation. Looking at the technology side first, and I've touched on this already, it's essential that internal data processing systems can handle the relevant formats for electronic documents. They can authenticate messages, they can execute electronic signatures. Positively, because the rules are technology neutral, it's up to the parties concerned to decide which is the most appropriate appropriate method of processing. The rules don't mandate that. It's up to the parties concerned. On the legal side, as far as we know, and this has been extensively researched, there is no conflict between the URDTT and any e-commerce laws globally. But we would suggest that banks review internal client agreements in case there's any issues there. For risk mitigation, we do assume, I think especially over the last two years, that most internal policies do already cater for digitalization. But it could be useful to review any existing handling guidelines to account for changes in processing practices for digital, as well as any additional risks that may be deemed relevant to transaction processing. In respect of operational, this is quite extensive, but I would suggest that um, anyone that wants to use the rules looks at the URDTT implementation guide, which is available on the ICC website, downloadable for free, which looks at the operational side in quite some depth. Thank you very much. And we'll provide a link on our website as well to the website for our listeners. I guess a key part which I get people mention to me quite a lot is around that human examination process, the document checking, etc. And obviously that's moved from paper to digital. How will that operate under the URDTT? For electronic records to be examined for compliance, and bear in mind, this could still be manually, potentially, or it could be by a system or a platform. Certain technology and operational capabilities must be in place. I mentioned the implementation implementation guide earlier, these are set out in more detail there. But to avoid difficulties, careful thought must be given to the format in which the data is required to be submitted, that the data which will be displayed by a data processing system will be sufficient to ensure this is relevant to an examination of the electronic record. And if we do a comparison here, um, under the URDTT, the terms and conditions for compliance must be included within the digital trade transaction itself. If we look at um, other ICC rules, such as the EUCP, this defaults to the UCP 600 articles. This is 
changes the uh, rules for documentary credits, wherein compliance is determined by the terms and conditions of the credit and international standard banking practice. Now, at this stage, there is no standard banking practice for digital trade transactions. But as time goes by, this will evolve and the rules will be updated to stay in line. If an electronic document is non-compliant under the rules, the addressee must inform the submitter in one single notice of the reasons for non-compliance. And this compares with the EUCP, which defaults to the UCP 600 provisions. In respect to the time period for examination, the EUCP utilised the UCP 600 time period of five banking days. Under URDTT, it's assumed the examination process will be far quicker than with the paper environment. So this allows for two business days. As time evolves, this may well change in line with market practice. It's quite exciting there. We can potentially speed up the process of a trade transaction, which is very exciting for the industry. David, is there an equivalent to the term confirmation, which is the mainstay of past ICC rules? We had a lot of discussion on this within the drafting group and with national committees as well. And during this drafting period, we concluded that the term confirmation had too many connotations, not only to documentary credits, also to the paper world. As a result of this conclusion, a new term, financial services provider payment undertaking, has been introduced. Now, I guess slightly biased question here because I know you are involved, but uh, obviously in the last couple of weeks, we heard about the establishment of the International Chamber of Commerce UK Centre for Digital Trade and Innovation. Where do you see the synergies there? As you say, I mean, I'm very fortunate enough to be involved in this initiative and uh, very much looking forward to it. The work that we've completed with the URDTT aligns fully with Melita, as I mentioned earlier. It aligns fully with the G7 recommendations for digital trade, and it aligns fully with the Law Commission proposals. All of these initiatives have a key role within the UK Centre for Digital Trade and Innovation, or C4DTI, as they are calling it shorthand. The C4DTI is highlighted that the trade finance system suffers from fragmented, unconnected platforms and systems, and a distinct lack of common digital standards and laws, which do require modernisation and alignment. This is no surprise, all of us have identified this, especially over the last couple of years. It's unnecessarily costly, it's complex and slow, and very importantly, it reduces access to trade finance for SMEs. This has to change. Currently, there's no mechanism to join up these initiatives to kind of accelerate and scale the solutions or even to implement the ICPC Digital Standards Initiative framework. And if we don't have some kind of coordinating mechanism, initiatives will continue to be fragmented. The results are going to be patchy. The adoption of standards and technology solutions are going to be slow. So ensuring that ICC rules are in place ensures this commonality of approach and global uniformity. Now, the Centre for Digital Trade and Information, Innovation can be made up of industry representatives or involved government experts. They're going to look at digital trade policy, rules, standards and laws. Very importantly, it's going to be impartial. It will be arms from delivery and be responsible for oversight, strategy, policy and finance. It's good to clearly define where things start and also where responsibilities stop. So I guess we've seen version 1.0 of URDTT, which was published in October 21. Where do we go from here? Well, the use of version numbers is a great way to take rules forward, to be honest. This allows for a more focused and shorter revision period of the rules as and when technology advances are made or when market trends develop or expand from time to time. We've unfortunately seen in the past that ICC rules can take three, four, even five years to revise. Putting them in version numbers makes it far simpler. So the rules won't be static, absolutely will not be. More importantly, they can be revised far more quickly than has been the norm in the past, will allow faster reactions to these market trends and changes in customs and practice. And in alignment with this, to augment it, there will be more output generated by the ICC e-rules commercialization group. 
And this is going to look at including the identification of internal and external barriers to implementation will highlight the benefits for each party. The corporate side, these include uh, the totally digital process, standardization, access to trigger points for financial services providers to provide mitigation and settlement, stuff like that. They're also going to look at creating use cases and delivering a collectively driven awareness campaign, which could encompass all sorts of things such as webinars, white papers, blogs, templates, Q&As, social media initiatives, all sorts of stuff. Thank you very much for giving an overview. And it sounds like, yeah, the ICC rules really are ready. And I really like their focus entirely on that digital environment. And it's a real set of rules that are independent, neutral, and and provide quite a, a collective understanding of those terms and definitions. I think one thing I like about these rules is you do avoid the repetition of a platform rule book and you promote the use of those electronic records. So uh, it's quite exciting. And also we have seen in the past six months, so many service providers have already stated their intention to work with and implement the URDTT into their platform from rule books and developing trade products based on these rules. So uh, David, thank you very much for joining us on Trade Finance Talks. Look forward to hearing from you next time. Well, thank you for allowing the platform to get this information out there. The more people that are aware of these rules, the more quickly they'll be assimilated into the industry. Thanks for listening to Trade Finance Talks. Be sure to subscribe to our podcasts at tradefinanceglobal.com.